This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. From the office and manufacturer of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location, this is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today, we're honored to have him, is uh, Jared Smith, founder and principal, Architect Al, an expressive brand surrounding architecture, real estate, and photography. His work includes authoring successful published architectural blog posts, podcast features, article features, digital photography imagery, spatial design consultant, and uh, competitions and architectural collaborations. For more information, feel free to visit architectowl.com. Again, architectowl.com. Jared, a pleasure and honor having you on here, sir. Thank you so much for being on uh, our show today. No, thank you. It's an honor to be on here. Thank you, Jared. Jared, you know, we usually like to start our show with uh, a reference to an inspiration of quote or a prayer or a mantra and we find people but I, I love your take on it because it's a first for sure it's definitely a first is um your source of your own source of inspiration and mm-hmm. if you could share that with me the the if i'm going to say it correct let me know or incorrect positivity regardless of circumstances is that correct yes yes definitely i i i reach for that because we can't control what happens in our lives and we should make sure that we're always looking for the positivity because as they've said, uh, when you're shopping for a car and mm-hmm. you specifically want to get a specific car, all you see is that car all over the road because you're focused on that car and you actually wanting to purchase it. And then you see it every, everywhere you turn, you're, you're looking and you see that, that car that you're shopping for. It's the same thing. If you're looking for positivity and you're looking for the good that is out there, it generally comes to you more than if you're looking at the negativity or the bad that can come out of any circumstance, because then you're looking for, you know, the negativity. So you really should just look for the positivity. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that I definitely shoot for in everyday, everyday life. It's not an easy task, but it is uh, something I try to live by. What is the inspiration for that? And, you know, why does it matter to you to be that positive in all facets of your life? Because it's evident, not just in your work, which I I really, really enjoy, but it's also in your personal life as well. There's a real strong sense of positivity and flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely comes from my family life also. My wife, my two kids, and uh, just just trying to show the most favorable light even in bad circumstances, just trying to, you know, kind of get through it. You know, things can change in the future. And kind of moving forward, not being stuck in a rut. And then I am a practicing Christian, and so it's also based off my faith and uh, just being positive and kind of having faith to move forward. That uh, design, you know, it's really great on your uh, your social media platform. Is I I notice your there's there's just such a great honesty, which is rare, at least on a, the social media feeds. That there's a real sense of honesty, not a sense mm-hmm. of an actual honesty of your work life and your experiences, and then how you overcome them. It's not just a, a look, you know, here's somebody, you know, we, I met with some, some people about a project, and uh, this is what happened, and you mm-hmm. leave it. You actually state, here's what happened, and then here's how you came to a resolution. That sense of thoroughness obviously matters to you. Is that something that was instilled as a youngster or, or uh, you know, recently even? 
Mm-hmm. I think as a youngster, I, I was very detail oriented and I always kind of was methodical in the way that I approach things. And I always kind of made a list or I would try to have an outline of what needed to be done to get from point A to point B and so on. So I kind of take that in my work and as well as the way that I, I showcase the projects that I'm working on, as well as how I communicate with clients or other people just so that they can, you know, because most of the time people are a little bit uh, discouraged with dealing with architects. I kind of want to break that down so that people are more apt to, to actually go and reach out to an architect and just des- describe their project and get some professional, uh, you know, uh, engagement with them. And I think that in social media, I'm trying to kind of dispel the myth that we can't speak, you know, to, to regular people and kind of get a sense of what they're trying to do. And then I can explain my projects in the same manner so that people get to understand it, how it goes from one phase to another phase and how architects solve problems and and get their clients to achieve the you know spatial design or change addition or, or renovation that they're seeking in their building or in, the, in their home. Is there a formal program or a checklist that you go through with clients that uh, articulate or uh, shine light on that? Uh, that problem solving that you can help them with? Not really. I think a lot of it is just kind of some trial and error from when I was younger and kind of just experience kind of traveling through the many different projects that I've had to take on and, and different types of clients. You kind of learn the the best ways and the best approaches to go at doing things. And um, just based off of feedback, sometimes you kind of go through a whole process and it didn't go as well as you expected it to. And you realize that you should have explained yourself or made things a little bit simpler along the way in order to achieve the same goal, but then have a more favorable outcome uh, with the client understanding everything that was needed as well as accomplish those goals successfully. I'm going to touch back on that. You should have explained yourself uh, a little clear. Mm-hmm. That's a high level of accountability because it, in, you have to know that not every client's uh, exciting or, or really clear about what it is that they want. Again, we go back to, I think it's a character that you want to, you still take responsibility for even their not understanding. Mm -hmm. It just looks like, I mean, it sounds like it really matters to you. Yes, yes. Because ultimately we want the clients to be happy. And, you know, when you have a happy client, then they will tell other people and then you have more happy clients. So I really try to hone in on making sure that I understand what the client's needs are and what it is that is going to make them feel like they have accomplished their goal, whatever that is. And it's not meant to make myself shine. It's more meant for their project to shine and for them to, to feel uh, content in the accomplished you know, task. What made you uh, decide to get into social media so, um, so consistently? It's not just a, an interesting, like, let me see what Jared uh, Smith's doing here. It's like you have a a chronology of how you help people too. I don't know if that's by design or it happened. Can you share with your audience today how how that kind of came about initially? I think it was, it's just uh, trying to use social media as as really a means of uh, showcasing the daily life of an architect and what we go through. And I'm not sure. I think I think I kind of fell into into trying to do it just to better better brand myself and uh, connect with people. And it's, it seems to be resonating, like you said, because then people are engaging, you know, and, you know, they're, they're very interested in what I'm doing and, you know, I try to include descriptions, kind of, you know, valuable information that they should know, as well as touching on projects that I have going on right now. 
there was a I'm going to get this incorrect, but I, I remember it was it was a chronology of of some of the projects that you were doing and how difficult it was. And you'd show like a before and after. And I mean, the before looked like, I do not know how anybody's <laughs> going to figure this, figure this out. But yet, obviously you do. Is that, uh, do you almost kind of relish looking for those sort of problems? No, not, it, it's not the one that I <laughs> seek out. <laughs> it's, okay. uh, it, it actually just ends up happening because, uh, you know, problems, once we get a, once I get a new project, I have to then, you know, assess what the problem is. And a lot of times, the full extent of the problem may not be apparent until we start to kind of dig in and, you know, start demolishing things and kind of really getting into the nitty gritty. And uh, at that point, then I get the kind of before pictures because then, you know, you kind of really get to get a sense of what the problem was. Um, And then, you know, I like to show the transformation because a lot of times that's what people are interested in. So I give them the story, I kind of give them the details about it, but then I give them the before and after also. So it's kind of a, a nice package of, you know, how things can, you know, can happen. Uh, is a lot of stuff that happens in between that, that I don't, you know, necessarily relay, but that's just part of me solving the problem for that specific project. This is excellent. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad. We're talking today with Jared Smith, founder and principal architect of Architect Owl. For more information, feel free to visit website of architectowl.com. Again, that's architectowl.com. Jerry, can you share with us, uh, without naming names unless you'd like to, some of the, you know, your recent projects, because I've seen you've had a breadth of experience from residential to even large, it looks like even civic and urban landscapes. Share with us, if you if you would, uh, you know, some of your most recent projects, if, if you will, or maybe even some that were, uh, you know, kind of fun for you. Gotcha. Okay. I have one project that um, is actually uh, coming back online and it's actually upstate uh, New York and in Orange County. It's a brick building. It's an older, uh, early 1900s building. And um, and it's it's a two family building that we're actually gutted. We gutted it down to pretty much to the studs and to the floor joists. And uh, it's in a historic district of Newburgh. And it is, it's really a nice building. I like the character of the building and the whole block has a very kind of historic feel to it. So we're actually renovating it and bringing it back to life, very dilapidated. And, uh, and we have to pretty much match the character of the neighborhood. So we have to rebuild the front porch the same way that it originally was. And, and then on the interior, uh, it's a two units. So and each floor is a unit, it's two stories. And then it has a large basement, which will be for storage space. I really like this project. I, I like older homes and older buildings. They do have a certain sense of character and they're, they're kind of, you know, very, um, they're, they're built. A lot of them are built to last and they, um, they really have good structures and good bones. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the after picture of that one. We have a lot of befores. So uh, it's supposed to be taking shape in the next couple of weeks. My partner He's a real estate investor. He's actually going to be be there regularly doing, uh, kind of checking in on things. And then I'll uh, I'll be up there also with him, just seeing how the progress is going. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to the end of that one and seeing how everything comes out. Excellent. You know, I've uh, held the uh, strong belief that architects would make great developers. In fact, I may get some developers writing in on this, but actually, I think they may even make more effective developers. What's your take if you're at liberty to you know share your insight into that? Definitely. I'm very much interested in developing. I'm still kind of wading the waters and kind of learning the ins and outs because uh, one of the things that architects are very much kind of situated to be developers. However, there's a level of detail that architects typically haven't trained for. 
which is kind of the whole financial and acquisition side of the being the developer, which is something that you kind of have to go over and beyond and actually uh, learn and kind of get experience on, which is I'm kind of in the paces of doing that as we speak so that I can kind of jump in and uh, try my hand in developing so that I can, you know, kind of try to be the architect and the developer. And then, you know, it's two duties, you're wearing two hats, but it has, you know, a higher risk, but then higher reward. So um, that's definitely something I'd like to get more into as the as the years come. We'll go back to what, if you can recall, if there was a moment or a galvanizing moment in uh, in your youth that you saw, you know what, I kind of, I'd like, you know, being either an architect or I like design, there's just something about, you know, a built environment that you really, you know, really uh, made you kind of happy inside. Can you point to that? I think I've always had the idea of being an architect and liking to build and kind of develop stuff. And, you know, that was way back when I was playing Legos and uh, kind of Lego sets and stuff like that. And then my, me and my brother would take things apart and try to put it back together. So I, that was very early on. Uh, the actual term of being an architect, I didn't really learn about until I was probably much, much later in life and closer to high school. And, um, and then I, out of high school, I pretty much knew I wanted to, wanted to pursue architecture. And um, I, I always had an interest in real estate also. So it kind of came together a little bit later on after I was already uh, in the architecture industry that I started to get more interest in, uh, in dealing with real estate development and, uh, and that type of deal. So I'm just kind of bringing it all together now and um, trying to see how it'll work, you know, because it's, uh, it's going it's to be challenging. I know that. But I'm I'm up for the challenge. That's for sure. How about also? You said it was high school where you knew the actual term architects, and this is not unusual in any era that I noticed that there's not a, a lot of attention in the youth. What do you? How do you feel about youth being introduced? And I'm I'm talking with youth, say maybe even in kindergarten or around that age, to be aware of architect as an actual profession. What's your thoughts on children being exposed to architecture and design? I agree. I, I agree. It should be introduced a, a lot earlier than I, I realized what the profession was about. I am part of NOMA, which is a national organization of minority architects, and they have a oh, lot yes. of outreach. Excellent. Yeah. They have a lot of outreach programs for doing exactly what you stated and bringing architecture to mostly places where you know kids are not really understanding the, the profession. They don't know much about it. So this is going to, to youth that are pretty much in elementary school. So it's it actually gives them the knowledge and the information about the industry and the profession uh, way before you know high school, so that they know that it's something that they can they can go after if they're interested in. So and um, even that, I, I did some mentorship for. They were in high school, and in that school, I did career day where I was then speaking with different classes about uh, being an architect and introducing myself. And it, this was in the in the South Bronx area, so it was even more of a a reason for me to be there because then I, I could show face being an African-American um, male architect, licensed architect, which they probably have never met a regular architect, let alone an architect that, you know, resembles, you know, resembles them, a people of color. So it really stood out as, you know, as being a point where I was broadcasting the profession and I was speaking, you know, favorably of it and letting them know that this is a profession that they can get into if they like design, you know, art, you know, kind of, you know, creative uh, talents that they may have. And even if they become an architect and then, you know, there's many different avenues you can go with, you know, going into architecture. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to design buildings. You can, you can go sure. various different avenues. You know, that touches uh, definitely on the, uh, the uh, title of, and theme of our show, Architecture and Innovation, is 
that innovation, as much as you would think it would be uh, children at elementary school level would understand it. And to where, you know, the typical phrase is, do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer? Mm -hmm. At least an architect was in that conversation, or that was a a natural call out is to say a doctor, a lawyer, an architect. Who do you think, do you feel is like kind of not responsible, but who can influence that sort of innovation at the youth in your, in your view or your, uh, your opinion? I think we need to better educate the society and as a whole about the profession and how uh, architects bring value to the community, communities that they serve and that they're in, to then get to the point where, where that can be added into that term. It's not enough people that know about what architects do and really understand how they help. So I think we have a, we have a good amount of challenge to, to get to that point. So, but having knowledge about the profession is, is a start. I like that where you said bringing it to life, every project, you're bringing something that either was non-existent or uh, uh, no longer existent or broken and bringing it back to life in its, in its uh, most uh, beautiful form. How is that, you know, share with us why that matters to you or, or makes your heart happy, I guess. Yeah. I, just being a, you know, a creative mind, I like to, to have a completion in something and uh, make sure that it's done well. And because typically when I see a project and I get an explanation from uh, a client or someone that's there or an investor, I can visually see it in my head and I'm already kind of giddy <laughs> because it's just in my nature to to understand it and be like, okay, we can do that. We can do this. And I, I'm already happy. But then when it actually turns into and it comes to fruition, then I, I'm like, yes, yeah, this this is what I thought about. This is how it's come out. And then, you know, and then sharing the joy that of the completion with the with the client or the investor is, is an, uh, the ultimate success, the feeling of successfulness. This is superb. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Cyraclad. We're talking today with Jared Smith, founder and principal of Architect Owl. For more information, feel free to visit architectowl.com. Again, that's architectowl.com. We're going to uh, provide a uh, public service announcement for uh, Jared's uh, choice of uh, organization. And uh, we're going to give a shout out to the uh, YCA, um, the YCA of uh, Yonkers. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Yonkers Christian Assembly exists to connect ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Their mission is to connect with God, to transform their church, community, and city, impacting one life at a time through spreading God's love and growing disciples. For more information, feel free to visit their website at my yca.church. Again, that's my yca.church. Jerry, can you share with us why, uh, you know, or how this means much to you? Oh uh, yeah. Th- this is, uh, one of the church, one churches that I, uh, I frequented when I was a child and I've kind of grown up going to this church and bringing my family to it. Now, um, we kind of uh, see what they do to for the community and, and see how they're, you know, trying to help. Basically they, they do an extraordinary amount of of helping in the community and they're known for that. So I think that people, you know, in, in the local area, you know, a lot of people know about it, but it's, it's a worthy uh, church and uh, organization that, that helps the community much. Yeah. And my belief that architecture, there is a, a strong spiritual element to architecture. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's kind of a baited question, but I'd like to hear your take on it. I don't know if I've really thought about that in that, in that light. I guess you have to have faith going into some difficulties if you have if you have various projects because you kind of have to figure it out you know we're problem solvers but it doesn't it doesn't always come easy so that may you know in yourself so that should you know that that's a tough one yeah i don't don't know if i know 
if I've really connected it or really thought about it to that degree. Yeah, if it was a little too deep, I just thought, hey, you know what? I, I appreciate that because uh, obviously I love architecture and design and the built environment. So uh, I revere, as you can probably recall, and some of my responses to your uh, your tweets and your social media that, wow, I'm just amazed, you know, what you do. On that segue, can you share with us, you know, a project that you looked at initially that was just, oh my goodness, this is really going to be a, really, a, could be real challenging, but it turned out absolutely, you know, terrific if you're, uh, you care to share. If there's one or two or maybe all of them even, I don't know. Let me see. I think there was one that I had and it was probably two, you know, in actuality. And they kind of both stemmed off of uh, contractor uh, difficulties. And once we started, you know, doing the construction, one, the contractor actually backed out of doing the construction and we had to find another contractor. And it kind of made for, you know, uh, a long period of time between us being ready to, to construct and then having to find another contractor. It turned out well, and it, it was it was just a deck. It was a custom deck that uh, that was being added onto a, a home. But it, it turned into, it was just a, just a little bit of a headache. But it turned out good, and everything kind of, you know, panned out. And one of my more recent ones was working with a real estate, uh, another real estate investor, and he, it was a, a flip for a single family house. And we uh, we would then engage the contractor and the contractor once again was was not working out as well as we would have hoped had a lack of respect for what i felt as a lack of respect for me as the architect um, and just tried to to cut a lot of corners and i i was not happy with that and uh not even just because I mean, it's my license and you know and just the professionality of the work but it was more so just a lack a lack of respect and him wanting to to you know, not take what I was telling him that needed to be done or what was on the plans, taking it seriously enough in order for him to be actually implemented in the design. Uh, he made a couple of mistakes where he just had to eat the cost and change it. And, uh, and then he made a couple of mistakes where we had to kind of leave it because it was too costly to remove it. Uh, but that was you know, more so on, uh, on uh, the owner, the real estate investor to accept the change. And then he had to, to pay extra to make things fit around the changed item. So um, uh, that was a challenge also, but it, it came out to be a, a really pretty good project. And um, I was happy with how it came out. I was, I was happy to be done, but it came out well. Yeah. If you've ever um, kind of quantified the, uh, a percentage that is in your daily practice that's design and then how much is actually relationships with people? Oh, man. Is it a 50-50 or not so... I think I would probably say 50-50. That would probably be a good okay. number. There's a lot of relationship building that creates kind of a good rapport with people. And that helps the business in general, just because if they know you, then you know they're more apt to actually retain you and, and bring you on to help them with the project, even if it's something small that then leads to something bigger or you know anything in between. I think engaging and just talking with people and, and helping people out and just give, showing them value, which is what I try to do on my social media is just show value. And so that people then can see, hey, you know, he's, he's knowledgeable, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about and that I'm actually working on stuff so that they can see that I'm actually practicing daily. So that I think that that helps in uh, bringing more awareness to, to my brand, to me as a person and, and to architecture in general. That's terrific. Jared, is there anything that you, you'd like to share on your show today that we may not have touched on that you, you feel it's important to, uh, to talk to your audience and share with your audience today? One of the things that I, I believe I had sent you previous to the show was uh, that there are not that many architects that are uh, people of color, um, black architects. And um, that's why I'm part of the NOMA organization to try to get more outreach 
for diversity within the architecture profession because they're only about two percent, which is you know roughly yeah two percent of licensed black architects and African American women architects was even less than that. And uh, so we do not have a lot of us. So the diversity in the in the profession is is, is lacking, and I think that. That's one of the things that we need to build up. And that comes with what we spoke about earlier with getting younger generations to realize it's, a, it's an actual uh, profession that they can get into so we can kind of make it more of a diverse uh, profession. Jared, it's been a real honor, a real honor and pleasure having you on our show today. And I hope you, uh, you'd consider coming back again sometime soon. I think there's a lot more I, I noticed uh, I wrote down that we, didn't, we weren't able to, mm-hmm. to talk about. I, I hope you'd consider coming back again. Definitely. I, I, this was fun. The discussion was good. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jared. Our guest today has been Jared Smith, founder and principal architect of Architect Owl, an expressive brand surrounding architecture, real estate, and photography. His work includes being an author of a successfully published architectural blog post, podcast feature, guest, article features, digital photography, imagery, and spatial design consultant, as well as competitions and architectural collaborations. For more information, feel free to visit architectdowell.com. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syriclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovations, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create a healthy living environment. The podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and lives. Please join us again next time. I'm Tom Deal. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded from the offices of Syraclad in Redmond, Washington, and on location. Executive producer and host of the Architecture and Innovation Podcast is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email address is podcasts at syraclad.com. Again, that's podcasts at syraclad.com.